The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. How many know that like every time that you open the word, God speaks, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm praying that, that we would hear the voice of God today. More than that you'd hear the words that I say, that, that you would hear the voice of God today. Um, let me just tell you, tell you what we want to talk about today. Today is all about his church. You know, we did our, our building campaign. We call it Build His Church. It's the campaign we we're doing to raise some funds to, to, to build the building that we're sitting in now, as well as the, um, uh, been able to contribute um, now I think it's, I think it's at $60,000 um, uh, to build churches all around the, the world. Man, what an incredible thing. But we've called that Build His Church because we wanted to focus on the fact that it's not building my church, it's building His church, right? Today we're going to, or not just today, the, the, the rest of this month, uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at Christ's church, I'm going to tell you what, it is an exciting time. I don't know if you've, you've spent much time studying the church in, through his word, but it is an exciting, exciting topic. What we're calling this in the next few weeks is his unstoppable church. Can I tell you something? I don't know. God is building a church that is unstoppable. Did you know, are, are you aware of that? You know, it's so easy sometimes to look around and you see certain things or you see a, a, a public preacher fail morally or you, you, see, you see certain things that, you know, and you're just like, ah, is the church going to be okay? Listen, <laughs> listen, it's not my church. And it's not your church. It's his. And this is what he says about it. In, in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, he says it this way. He says, I will build my church. Friends, that's a promise. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Like that's a promise. So regardless of what it appears on the outside from time to time, we can have this guaranteed truth, this promise. God's church is growing, and it's growing stronger than it's ever been before. So for the next couple of weeks, you know, the next two weeks, we're going we're to look at what does it mean that I'm a part of this church? What, is it, what does it look like? How, how do I be a part of this? And what is, what is the function of, of me in the church? And how do we work together to be his church? And all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm really excited to go there. But before we get there, I, I think we need to ask maybe even a more f- fundamental question, and that is, what is his church? That's kind of an important deal, right? You know, we, 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 we typically associate the, the, the birth of the church to Acts chapter 2, right? Jesus, he dies on the cross, he rose from the dead, he's t- telling his disciples, hey, now, now sit around and wait until the Holy Spirit comes, and, and, and when that happens, trust me, you'll know, and, and they did just that. And they waited around, and there's about 120 of them, and, and the Holy Spirit came on them that day. And man, they saw incredible signs and wonders. And three, and Peter got up and preaches, and 3,000 people got saved on that one day. And boom, there's the church. You know what's interesting to me, though? Like, didn't Jesus gather crowds? See, didn't, didn't Jesus go out and meet needs and preach the kingdom of God and draw people to himself who then worship God because of Jesus? Doesn't that sound like church to you? 
So I, I want to look at a couple things. There, there's some things in, in particularly in John. We've been reading. We started. Uh, we started the year off reading through John. Let me just get another another plug here. Um, go to our resource page and, and follow along with us as we're studying. We're in Acts now, but as we're studying the the the, the word together. But uh, in John chapter two, I want to share just a little something because Jesus gathered crowds a lot. But the crowd is different than the church. And that's easy to be like, oh yeah, absolutely it is. But there's some things about the crowd that are, well, let's just dive in. I'm going to look at three different places in Scripture where we saw crowds grow that seemed legit. And here's the hard part. They seemed legit. John chapter 2. So in John chapter 1, Jesus is calling his, the 12, and he's calling, hey, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. Well, then he goes to this wedding, and they ran out of wine, and Jesus does his first miracle, and he turns the, the water into wine, and everyone's like, dude, this guy is somebody I can be friends with, right? And so he turns the water into wine, and everybody's having a great day, and then they goes to Jerusalem for the Passover, and he starts doing these miracles and the, these signs, and people are seeing what's going on, and then he goes into the temple, and he like, starts flipping over the, the tables, and and and, and going like, and people are like, man, this guy's standing up to the, the, the Pharisees. He's standing up to all the hypocrites. He's calling them out on their hypocrisy. Now he's doing miracles. I like this guy. Okay? Followers began to attach themselves to Jesus. And the, but this is what it says at the end of John chapter 2. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. Oh, listen. They believed in his name. Your translation just might have said, they believed in him. Isn't that all that it takes to go to heaven? Isn't that all that it, 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 isn't that what being a Christian is, is believing in his name? Catch what happens next. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them. Well, that seems odd, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they were believers. They, they saw what he was doing. They believed, but he wouldn't entrust himself to them. Why? For he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. So this is interesting. Here's a crowd of believers that Jesus said, well, okay, you believe, but there's something missing. You could say, like, I mean, here's people who came out, they worship God because of Jesus, Jesus teaching and Jesus preaching and Jesus do whatever, and there was worship and there was preaching and there was a crowd. That's a church, right? Why isn't John 2 the start of the church? How come Acts 2 is the start of the church? Okay, maybe that's just one case. So let's flip, flip the page. John chapter 6. Now Jesus, this is the, the classic story. Jesus and his disciples are doing ministry. They go across the lake to get away. All the crowd shows up. There's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Some say 10, 15,000. This is a crowd. So we got a crowd gathering for the sake of seeing Jesus. Jesus teaches. Jesus proclaims this message of hope, and he's teaching the kingdom of God. He's doing miracles. It's resulting in worship. This doesn't just look like church. This is like a mega church, <laughs> right? Jesus breaks the bread. He breaks the fish, feeds the 5,000. They're all like, what? This is awesome. All right, and then he, Jesus and the disciples leave. Well, that crowd chases Jesus down the next day, and they're like, hey, Jesus, like, give us some more bread, and so Jesus did it. Okay, he's like, okay, you believe in me here. Like, you got this here. But let me, let me take you to the next level. And he started pointing to the fact that, like, it's not just about the fact that I can meet your needs. He's like, it's about me. He says, my flesh 
is real food and my blood is real drink. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they're like, dude, that's weird. Paraphrase, sorry. But not that much, right? So like they were started, they started grumbling about this. And in John chapter six, verse six, he says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware of his disciples were grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? There's a word in here that's pretty significant. On hearing it, many of his disciples, you know that when, when the New Testament says disciples, it's not usually talking about the 12 that you usually think of when you think of disciples. Like usually when he's referring to the 12, he says the 12. is actually the more common reference to it. Jesus had many disciples. And this is where it gets a little bit complex again, okay? Jesus had many disciples. A disciple is just a learner and a follower of Jesus. These are people who were learning after, like listening to him. Like when he was in town, they'd, they'd, they'd take the day off and they'd, they'd go outside of town and they'd be, they'd be listening to him and, and, and they'd be bringing their sick and Jesus healing and they're trying to follow, they're trying to figure this Jesus out. They were disciples. Isn't that what we're supposed to be, disciples? They're, we're disi- they're disciples. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching. Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And guess what? Most of them left. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. There's a crowd, there's worship, there's meeting needs, there's miracles, there's teaching, but there's still no church. How about this? John 12, we keep on going. John 12, Jesus had just uh, done some pretty cool things, raised Lazarus from the dead. People were kind of freaking out about that, um, rightly so. And uh, it's, it's getting near to the time that he's about to go to the cross and he rides in on a donkey and what happens? People are going berserk. <laughs> Jesus is one. We've been watching him for three years. We've been doing miracles now. He raises the dead. And they're, what are they doing? They're worshiping. They're laying palm branches down. The crowds are coming out. And this time they're coming out like, like they've never come out before. In fact, the Pharisees are very, very intimidated of what is happening. And they say this, like when they see the way that the whole city of Jerusalem is responding. And, and Jerusalem, it was about Passover time. So all of the country had got all of Judea had come to, to worship for the Passover celebrate the Passover. So not just Jerusalem, but everybody's there. And this is what they say. He says this, that, that see this. So, so the Pharisees said to one another, see this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now we're not talking mega church. We're talking like a denomination, right? We're talking church movement. We're talking big time. And, and everybody's there and they're worshiping Jesus. <clears throat> And one week later, there was nobody. And then Jesus rises from the dead. Wouldn't you think that that would just be like the cherry on top that would really get every, you know, everybody who's like waving Hosanna and then he rises from the dead and starts showing up from people. Wouldn't you think that everybody at that point in time would be like, yeah, okay, here we go. How many, how many did the church start with? Keep turning in your pages and you get to Acts chapter 2. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. 
He shows himself to lots of people. And 120 are gathered there when all the deaths had settled. Where were the crowds in John 2? Where were the tens of thousands in John 6? Where was the entire city, the whole nation in John 12? See what Matthew says in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the gates of hell often prevail against the crowd. So I think it's a good, good practice to really take a close look and say, all right, am I a palm branch waving member of the crowd? Or when the dust settles, am I a part of his church? You know the hard part about it? The hard part was that in John 2, there were some original founders of the church in that crowd. And in John 6, there were the 12. In fact, after many deserted him, Jesus turned and, and said to them, are you going to leave me too? Like, nah, you've got the words of life. In John chapter 12, some of those who were singing, saying Hosanna to the highest then deserted, many of those, I'm sure the 120 were probably in that crowd as well. So that makes it tricky, doesn't it? And instantly you start looking around going, all right, which of you are the crowd and which of you are the church, right? Like, I hope that's not your response. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to look, because how, how, do, how, do you, how do you tell apart? First of all, I don't necessarily know that it's our job to figure out, to classify every single person, okay? That's not your job. But there are some defining characteristics. So as we begin to look at some of these characteristics of the crowd versus the characteristics of the church, the goal here is not to look at everybody else. But the goal here is to say, man, am I, am I faithfully living out the life that Christ intended to me? Am I part of his church that he's building or am I just an onlooker watching from the outside? Let's take a look at some of these crowds versus the church. Now, here's the thing. Let's, we're going to look at those passages a little bit closer that I just mentioned here. You see, in, in John chapter 2, um, there's this, the hard part about it is it says that they believed in him, right? That, that, that's the issue. They're like, what? but it seems like they were legit. But I'll tell you what the difference is. John chapter 1, I think, shows us the difference. See, Jesus was going out and he, he was calling followers. So often we're content with believing. Jesus isn't just interested in believers, he's interested in followers. You know, it's interesting, like all these believers came to him, and, and again, don't, don't, don't take this somewhere where it's not like that term, no, I'm never using the term believer ever again. No, you can use that term. It's just fine. It's actually other places in the Bible that talk about the believers were gathered together. But, but I'm talking about what's in the heart. You see, Jesus saw what was in the heart and he, he didn't entrust himself to them. They, they believed, but he didn't entrust himself to them. And then let's contrast that in John chapter 1. You see, a couple of his uh, soon-to-be disciples saw that Jesus coming. John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And a couple of them were like, hey, I'm going to go follow this guy. You know, Jesus called people to follow. There's a couple of them. Jesus didn't even call to follow. They're just like, that's the Messiah. I'm going this way. 
And their first question, when Jesus noticed they were following, which I imagine was kind of an interesting deal, like, you guys follow me? What do you want? He asked them, and they're like, uh, where are you staying? Come on. And it says Jesus spent the day with them. He was interested in followers, not just believers. You know, it's, it's, a scary, it's a scary verse of Scripture, but in, in James, he says, like, even the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What makes you different than the demons? I believe it's somewhere in this. Yeah, followers are believers. It's okay to use that term, but are we just believers? Are we the type that like, Jesus, that's cool. I want that. That life looks pretty neat. Jesus, you talk different than everybody else. Jesus, you look like the kind of guy that like, I could, like, I, I can listen to you. I believe, yeah, I believe that what you're saying is true. But when it came down to it, he was looking for followers. Let me ask you a question. Are you following Jesus or did you just pray a prayer one day? Are, are, are we looking for, for like, God, where are you going? And, you know, we use that even the term, I'm a follower of Jesus. And once upon a time, we say, I prayed a prayer and I, I gave my life to Jesus. But listen, you woke up the next day and Jesus was going somewhere. Are you going with him? Jesus has things that he wants to do in your heart. Are you opening, are you open to that? Jesus has things that he wants you to do. Are, are, are you asking him where he, he's leading? Because Jesus is going somewhere, and I'll tell you what he's doing. He's building his church. And he's looking for people who are going to follow him into building his church. See, his church is not just believers, but Christ is looking for followers. Are we following? Here, let's jump over to John chapter 6, the, the feeding of the 5,000, right? So he's, he's feeding the 5,000, and, and, and here's what I think is so interesting. There was no reprimand whatsoever when he fed the 5,000. None at all. He graciously met their needs. And then the next day, sometimes it seems like he's like, well, then he just like got down on them. I don't think he got on them. I think he was just calling us to the next level. It's an aspect of following. You know, there's some of us, we, we, we accepted Christ, we gave our life to Christ, and, and truly, we were all in. But then, but then sometimes we just, we get in this place where it's like, oh, oh that's just like, I, I'm, I'm in. I just, I just got into, the, I'm, I'm in the club. And Jesus says, no, let me call you deeper. Let, let, me, let, let me invite you one step beyond where you are right now. You ate the bread yesterday? Man, that's awesome. I'm glad that I could meet that need for you. But guess what? I want to take you into some new things. Hey, you, you, you were thanking God for that bread, but today I want to encourage you. I want you to thank God for me, for the true bread of life. And and they weren't there. They, they weren't down with it. I can only imagine what the disciples are thinking right now, right? Like, not, not the disciples, the 12. Right? They had this win. I'm talking like mountaintop experience thing. They're passing out the bread and the, and the fish, and they get all these baskets left over. And I'm sure they're like high fiving each other, like, dude, this is amazing. We just had them a few, and now we got all this much and this left over. And man, this is so cool. Then Jesus walks on water the next night, and Peter goes out there too. And they're like, like, we're talking like, this is amazing. 
And the next day, all the crowd is back, and I'm sure the 12 are like, yeah, look at this. Like, man, this is time. Like, we're, he's going to be king, and, and everybody's celebrating. This is awesome. And then Jesus gets up to speak, and they're like, hey, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I can just see the 12 over there going like, God, Jesus. Dude, this is bad. Like, no, come on, man. They don't get that. Like, don't you, like, you had them. Jesus, you had them. Why are you, like, turning them away right now? I can, I can imagine, because their, their idea of church was big numbers, wasn't it? Their idea of what God was about, of it, his kingdom was, was, was literally Jesus on the throne. And if Jesus is going to get on the throne, we need people to do that. And here's the biggest crowd we've ever seen before. And so, like, Jesus, don't turn them away right now. Jesus, you need to learn some tact. Ease them along. See, they had a different picture of what his church was going to look like. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Here's where you are today. Here's where I provided yesterday. Are you ready for what I got for you today? I've got a little bit more, and it's going to be a little bit harder. I've got a little bit more, and it's going to be a little bit tougher to swallow. I've got a little bit more, but are you willing to, ta- are you willing to trust me wherever I go? Here's a characteristic of the crowd. The crowd is easily offended. So Jesus says, does this offend you? Does this offend you? The crowd is easily offended, and the crowd is easily um, defensive. And, and, and here's why. It, it can often look very, very spiritual. But every t- anytime offense rises up in you, or me, it's evidence of some pride there. Because offense is when my pride, I, I take up an offense when my pride gets stepped on. When my pride gets wounded. I get defensive when my pride gets wounded. I get offended when my pride gets wounded. Every time I become offended, it reveals that there's still some pride stuff there. And Jesus says, does, does this teaching, does this truth about me, does this offend you? They didn't answer the question directly, but many of them left. But then he says to his 12, look at the contrast here. Those he ends up building his church with. He says, do you want to leave me too? Do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know what? Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, no, Jesus, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) I don't think he had a clue. Eat your, you're not for real though, right? Like eat your flesh and drink your blood. Like we're not really gonna, like, but here's his response. He wasn't offended by it. Why? Because he was convinced. He's like, oh, there, was, there was humility in his answer. Like, I, it's not really about me. And I, I know this, Jesus, that you have the words of life. So though I don't understand right now, I trust you. You know, trust takes an, an immense amount of humility. Offense rises up when pride gets in the way. Humility rises up and trust rises up when I can walk in humility and let go of that pride. And so one of the, I think, critical characteristics and what we see in this, uh, of, of Christ's church and the, the 
defining characters of Christ's church is that Christ's church, his church that he's building, is not easily offended, but rather walks in humility. You know, and we do this in a lot of different ways. Obviously, like, if we would say, well, if Jesus walked right up to me and told me that some, such and such was truth, I'd believe him. But we, we notice this offense that rises up in different ways. Let's, let's, let's use one that's, like, easily debatable, right? Like, once saved, always saved, or uh, I can lose my salvation at some point in time if I choose to walk away from him. Okay, so let's, here's, here's, let's, just, let's just go for the big ones, right? All right, so here's this debate that's been talked about for centuries, and um, let's say I'm going like, no, I believe that you can choose to, to walk away from, from your faith if you choose to do so. And somebody else will say, no, 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 you were never saved in the per- first place. Okay, fine, whatever. Honestly, I don't put a lot of stock in this. I believe, like, follow Jesus today. That's really kind of what matters. Um, but let's say I, I hold this like, no, 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 I, I believe that you're not once saved, always saved, that you, can, that you can choose to walk away from God. And then this is what happens. I hear another brother in Christ, another sister in Christ, start defending their stance that's different than mine, okay? No, 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 I believe that, that look at this scripture and this scripture and this scripture and this scripture, it indicates that actually that once, once God has saved you, that you can't, you can't be unsaved. Here's what happens so often. Here's where we see this sneak up into our lives. You're like, well, that guy's not Jesus. That's different. Yeah, just, just calm down. Don't get defensive. Is that we do get defensive when, when, when things get challenged like that. Now, listen, if somebody challenges the sovereignty of Jesus, the lordship of Christ, the, he is the son of God, yeah, I'm not going to just like cave and be like, ooh, tell me more about that. Okay, like there's certain things, but there are other things that in the scriptures are kind of hard. Watch your heart. When you've got this, this, this little doctrine, this little piece of theology that you're kind of like really, really love, we all have our own little favorites, don't we? We got this one thing, and then somebody else brings scripture and challenges the opposite side of this theology. Watch what happens to your heart. Are we not after a pursuit of truth? Isn't that, isn't that, and don't we say that the word of God is true? So if somebody, if somebody were to bring a scripture and say, listen, I'm going to challenge your stance right here because of this scripture, and I get offended or I get defensive, all of a sudden this becomes my doctrine and my theology and not Christ's truth. At any given time, I should be able to say, huh, I've never thought of it like that. Or, you know what, I, I have seen that, but I see this, and I'm, 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 I'm just trying to figure out how these things work together. Can, can you see how even in the way that we in the body of Christ uh, engage in, in topics that aren't crystal clear, though some of us really want to say that they are, but there's some things that aren't crystal clear, like when that offense and defensiveness rises up, listen, there's no place for that in the true church. Because aren't we after truth? Is any of us going to say, I've got the corner market on all things truth? I mean, the word does, but I'm going to live my life trying to figure this out. And there's things in here, I'll just be honest, like you're looking for a pastor who has all the answers. You need to go to another church next week. I'm trying to figure this stuff out the best that I can. And I've given my life to study it and understand it as best as I can. But if, if my favorite little side peripheral truth is challenge and somebody's bringing the word of God to challenge it? Watch your heart. What rises up in you? 
Is it offense? Does this offend you? Or do we say, God, you are, Christ, you, are, you hold the words of life. Let me look at this again. Friend, brother, let's, let's talk about this. Man, maybe, maybe I'm not going to move at all, but may, let's have a dialogue. The question is, what is rising up in our hearts? Is it offense? Is it defensiveness? Does this make sense? Jesus says, are you offended? Again, let me just say it one more time. I'm not saying about you wishy-washing your beliefs in Jesus. It's the, it's the practice. It's some of these side things that we're, that we're talking about. All right. The crowd believes. The church follows. The crowd is offendable. The church is humble. The crowd, let me look at John chapter 12, Palm, Palm Sunday. I want to reference this one real quick. The crowd is so fickle. Have you noticed that? I mean, we look at John chapter 12, see the, the whole, everybody's coming out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and, and worshiping God. But listen, the crowd was there in John 2, the crowd was there in John 6, and the crowd left, and the crowd, same crowd is back again in, in John 12. And then, you know, the next thing you know, the crowd, that same crowd is yelling, crucify him. And then Jesus dies, and the crowd is gone. One thing about the crowd is that it doesn't stand up to opposition very well. The crowd runs when it gets hard. The crowd is fickle. And, and, you know, again, again, we like to, like to demonize certain groups and they're like, oh yeah, you're, no, no. Fickle means at sometimes you're in. That's the hard part. Sometimes when things are good, you're in, but when things get hard, you're gone. Here's, here's what we know about his church. Listen, I get it. All the 12 ran to, but when Jesus showed up, when they got clear understanding Boom, they were there. 120 of them. Here's what's interesting about that. It's not just like, Jesus raised from the dead, awesome. But here's the, the significant thing, though, I think that kept the crowd at bay. Is Jesus was just executed by the state. Anybody want to follow that guy? Those 120 were willing to say, I'm in this thing. I'm following Jesus, this one they just killed. And if I'm next, I'm next. And honestly, in that day, many of them were. The crowd is fickle. The church is faithful. The crowd, and you see this in all of the cases, the crowd gathers, the church remains. It doesn't take much to gather a crowd. I've always, I've always thought, like you could have a reality TV show with people who are not even Christians at all, and just say like, hey, this is, here's our challenge. You get a team and you go see who can get a church of uh, 1,000 people the fastest. It would be an entertaining television show. Because there are strategies that you could pull that off without ever knowing Jesus at all. That is, it's terrifying. The crowd gathers, but the church remains. James chapter 1 talks about somebody who, who lacks wisdom and, and they struggle asking for God because they have all this doubt. It says, he who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. 
That man shouldn't receive, think that he will receive anything from the Lord. They're a double-minded man, unstable in all they do. It says, I think that's a description of, of, of so many in, in our world today. That like when, when the wind's blowing the right way, I'm in. As soon as it shifts, <laughs> when I was in Chicago, so interesting. Uh, when I was in Chicago and, and uh, I was a Bears fan at the time, I was like, hey, I, need a, I, I can't wait till I live somewhere that has a pro team so I can cheer for a pro team. I love Nebraska, all that kind of stuff. But like, hey, this will be fun. So I, I moved to Chicago and I'm like, yeah, all right, everybody's all Bears and this is go Bears, go Bears. It was wonderful. And then like, you know, there were some seasons we were there that they did fantastic. Others, eh. And, and I remember we'd ask them, hey, so are you a Bears fan? And they would say, when they're winning. What? What? Just say no, right? Like, you like to go to parties. That's just what I heard, right? Like, you, you like to just go to parties and have football on. No, you, what, what in the world? But I, I wonder if, there's, if, there's, if there's, there's something in us that does that with the church too sometimes. Hey, are you a Christian? Hey, when they're winning. <laughs> but friends, can I tell you something? Jesus never stopped winning. You know, like the crowd kind of does this thing, right? The crowd kind of does this, like it ebbs and flows. Listen, God's church has been steadily growing for the last 2,000 years, and it's not going to stop. Some of, you, some of you historians are like, oh, yeah, well, what about in that season? Well, the church had really gotten, listen, do you trust that Jesus is building his church? Could it be that Jesus counts numbers differently than you do? Could it be that he creates some significant setup? Listen to this. Jesus used the cross to establish his church. Do you not think that he can't use a man's bad decision to establish his church even further? This one leader fell. That's devastating, and it hurts people, and I hate when I see it. But guess what? God will use what the enemy meant for evil. God will use for good. And guess what? The church, God's church, was like, oh, are you kidding me? That really famous preacher just had this horrible thing happen. Whoop, that really is going to hurt the church for a little while. No, he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not, nor ever will, prevail against it. His church is on the incline. His church is up and to the right. It may not always look like the numbers that you want, but guess what? Could it be that he just counts a little different? Could it be that his picture of the church is maybe a little bit bigger than my picture of the church? than your picture of the church. So here we go. We got this, we got the crowd is, 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 is they believe. But the church follows. The crowd is offendable. The church is humble. The crowd is fickle. The church is faithful. The crowd gathers. The church remains. <clears throat> here's, the, here's where we, we, we get things confused a little bit is that we think we know what's best for his church. Don't we? I mean, I do. I'll be honest. I, think, I know exactly what we need. I would have never said we needed the ruler of this like, movement to be publicly executed and humiliated and buried. I, I would have never picked that on, on the like, build his church um, plan. And yet somehow it was exactly what was required. Could it be that the setbacks that you see in your life 
The things that you, you, you look at around us and go like, is, are, 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 is the church okay? Could it be that God is using every single thing that happens in our lives to build his church first in what he's doing in us and then what he's doing in those around us? Get this, Matthew 16, we usually, we usually stop it um, we usually stop it a little bit early, but listen to, listen to what I said. This is so odd that it fits right here. Matthew chapter 16, right? He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you when he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. If I, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Woo! Verse 20. We usually stop there. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. What? Does that seem odd to anybody else? Jesus, don't you know how to build a church? Somehow, the time wasn't right. Don't, don't, don't go tell people about me. Just, it just, it's crazy. I don't, I don't fully understand it. But what it does show me is this. Is that I've got to learn to trust his plan for his church, not my plan for the church. When I talk about church, I, 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 I take it you get this right now. I'm not talking about Crossroads Church like the local organization. I'm talking about his global church. Man, I, I work hard. Don't, don't take this as apathy. Like I work hard to make sure we are, we are growing in our walk with him and reaching others and seeing, man, and just really becoming and building fully committed followers of Jesus. But here's how we tend to do this, and this is where we get, we get off track a little bit, is we start to trust my plan for the church instead of his. And then I begin to evaluate their lives instead of mine. Here's what I want us to do with this. We, we look at the, the crowd versus the church, and it's so easy to, to, to turn on the news and try to evaluate how the condition of the church is. Friends, you're not going to find it there. You're going to find it as you sit down and evaluate your own heart. You see, the thing is, Jesus knew exactly who was in the crowd and who was going to be a part of his church. And it says multiple times that he knew who was going to betray him, who was going to walk it out, and who was going to run when it gets hard. He knew exactly because he could see what was in a man. Guess what? I don't. You know, we, we, we get these parables where, where Jesus is the, 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 the wheat and, and, and the thorns. It's all growing together. You know what? This is what we do. This is what we do. So what do we do with this? Like sometimes that can be intimidating and overwhelming. And how come the church isn't this? And how come the church isn't that? And shouldn't we be doing this? And shouldn't we be doing that? And how come we're not doing this? And listen, I don't know what your picture of the church ought to, is in your mind. Maybe your picture of church includes more Bible studies and potlucks. You know, maybe you're... Maybe your picture of the church includes a specific style of worship. Maybe your picture of the church includes the, the, the pastoral staff to look a certain way or function. So maybe your picture, listen, we've got all kinds of different pictures of our church based, based on our church background and our experiences and where we've been and all that kind of stuff. But may I just suggest 
that maybe my picture of his church is maybe just a little bit smaller than his picture of his church. So this is what I do with that. When I start to worry, I just learn that I need to trust his plan, not mine. And when I start to look around, I need to be reminded that I need to evaluate my life, not theirs. Because if, if I'm trusting his plan while evaluating my life, I'm going to find others who are on this journey with me building his church together. I don't need to worry about corralling every single person and you don't need to worry about, okay, are they in and how come they're not and we lose sleep because they didn't, they didn't uh, show up to the prayer meeting and they're probably not even saved anymore, right? And, and I don't need to worry about like what I see in you and what I see in them. You don't, guys, that's not yours to worry about. You can't handle it. Like we've said before recently in the last few months, like, like we gotta know what's ours to carry and what's not. He will take care of his church. We trust him, evaluate our lives, and guess what? God's going to bring people who are moving in this same direction along with us. He builds a church. We just assist it. Like how silly to think that we are going to build the church. Like, Jesus, you've been doing this for 2,000 years. I'll take it from here. But rather, he's been working and building and shaping and growing. And we're just like, hey, can I help? We're like a little kid working on a car. Dad's working on the car, go, hey, can I help? And he's like, uh, yeah, turn that wrench there. There you go. Oh, good job, good job, son. And we feel like we've like just like done something. Listen, this is the picture of it. God, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna help turn wrenches with you. God, I wanna help build this church. I wanna help do this. But listen, I'm not gonna worry about where everybody else is. I'm, I'm gonna set trust that you know what you're doing, that you know what you're building, and, and, and I'm just gonna start worrying about me. And what's going to happen? I'm going to look around and be like, hey, look at that. They're coming too. Oh, hey, look at this. We're building together. Hey, it's his vision. It's his plan. It's his design. So here's where our heart goes. Here's where I, I, I want to challenge us to reflect and to evaluate. It's this. Am I following? Am I walking in humility? Am I living faithfully? Am I remaining to the end? Through the, the, the struggle that you, you're walking through right now, will you remain? Some of you just need this encouragement right now. You, maybe you're thinking of giving up. Maybe you're like, I don't even know if I, it's worth it anymore. Let me tell you what. Hold on. Hold on. Don't let go because God is building something in you if you remain. He's building this church. He's inviting us into it. Father, we praise you and we thank you for what you are building, for what you are doing, for, for what we are seeing happen around us. God, you are a good God who's saving souls, who, who, who's changing lives. God, and I thank you that we don't have to get caught up on, 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 on what's happening in the headlines. God, we can get caught simply in your presence. It's right before us. God, I want, I want to be a part of what you're doing. 
And if building your church means something exciting and wonderful, then let's go. If it means something filled with tears and pain, I'm there too. God, may we see you. God, may we follow you. May we let go of our preconceived notions of what what your church ought to be. Let go of of all of that and just take hold, God, of where you're going today. We want to be followers, faithful, humble ones who remain. Father, we are your church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So Father, we thank you for your promise that you are the builder. You are the founder. You are the foundation. So now guard our hearts and lead us in the truth we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. He's building his church, friends. He's building his church. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna to close our time together in, in just one last moment of worship. And, and I want to invite our prayer team, if you guys want to come back to the front here. Listen, if, you, if, if, if God's speaking to your heart, again, like we always say, don't rush out. Respond how, how whatever God's speaking to you. Maybe there's some, some areas in here of, of just like, you know there's things that God's speaking to you and you just need to follow. Maybe it's areas of humility or faithfulness or just simply you know that you're enduring something hard. You're just, you're just struggling to remain and you need somebody to come alongside you, another member of the church to come alongside you to, to help hold you up and walk you. For, let's, 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 let's not miss an opportunity to come together and pray and lift one another up, all right? So let's, uh, I'm gonna pray a, pray a blessing over us. Uh, you're gonna be dismissed to go. But uh, our worship team is going to play. Our prayer team is going to be available. And um, man, God's doing some stuff. God's working. God's working. Father, I pray your blessing on your church. We are your people. God, guard our hearts. From fear, from offense, from entitlement. God, we want to be humble followers of yours that remain. So God, may your blessing be on your people this week as we go. May we walk in the authority that we have as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.